0: Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle got Mike Brown to beat to the last line of defense and here goes Joseph Joseph's going
1: to get over and Watson goes on the outside oh Watson
2: goes never on the outside. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans Plugging the boys in blue black and white my name is Gabriel and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan Tom Tom are you over Sunday's defeat yet?
1: Uh, not quite. It's, you know, obviously bitterly disappointing and uh, going to sting for a few days. But uh, feeling a, a lot better uh, after uh, early on this evening, G. Um, Rory McConaughey on the podcast. Yes. And, uh, very, very honest and uh, an open view. So um, feeling better and, and more optimistic after that, but very tough, tough day at the office for, for, for a Bath fan on
2: uh, Sunday. Yeah, no point bearing the lead here. We, um, we couldn't let you Bath fans suffer all week. Um, going to work getting taunted by by bristol colleagues i 'm um, bristol fans' colleagues i 'm sure um so we had to give you a special gift and as Tom says, we have an extensive and exclusive interview um with friend of the podcast Rory McConaughey, to come later on in the podcast so stick around for that don't Just skip straight to Rory's views. Me and Tom promise we've got some interesting thoughts of our own. But yeah, that's going to take up the majority of this podcast because me and Tom struggling to to talk for too long about um, Sunday's disappointment. Um, We are going to talk about that before we get to the interview and then we're going to end the podcast looking ahead briefly to the trip to Sandy Park on Saturday, uh, Tom. Before we get going, I will just employ um, you to follow us on social media uh, at Bath Rugby Plug on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. Join in the conversation, particularly on Twitter, because you know loads of Bath fans there exchanging their views and, and kind of having discussions uh, about the boys. And it's a great um, forum for for stuff like that. So follow us on there and, and get involved. Let us know your thoughts about the blue, black, and white um but but tom let's get straight into it mate and um you were in pretty bullish form on, on last week's podcast uh kind of wasn't to be um looking at it broadly kind of were you um we looking back now at how optimistic you were kind of can you see uh going into the game just the areas where it was going to go wrong like it did
1: I think I was, uh, I was confident, obviously, uh, in the week when we recorded the podcast. And when the, when the teams came out, again, really confident actually going into to the match. thought having Will Stewart and Beno Urbano come back into the, into the 23 was massive. Um, and I felt with the guys missing from, from a Bristol perspective, so notably Harry Thacker, Dave Atwood as well, that on paper we looked far the stronger side so yeah you know I did go to to, to the rec on Sunday very optimistic and, and very hopeful mm. um, however ju- credit to Bristol and you know I, I find it difficult to uh, sort of say this but credit to them they came out um, uh, Pat Lamb picked the heaviest pack of the season uh, from a Bristol perspective and they came out and, and looked really up for it from mm. the first whistle got on top of us early doors and ultimately, uh, ultimately uh, as we were able to do Later on in the game, converted that early dominance into into
2: points yeah, and took the lead. Just before we sort of get into um, the, the detail of the game, Tom, we, we were both there again at the Wreck on Sunday. Um, slightly differently, we were stood in the in the Thatcher's Stand, which is the stand uh, where the players run out from. How did you find the the difference in in kind of the viewing experience and the general match day experience? I think that was my first time in the Thatcher's Stand. We're normally on one of the the side stands. How did you find the the general match day experience?
1: Yeah, it was it was good. I think actually not used to watching rugby from from behind the post, mm. and you did get a sense for um, the the conditions. I think uh, more so, obviously being very muddy down that down that one end by the try line, and also sort of swirling winds taking the ball down towards the the corner. And it wasn't easy conditions. You know, we had rain, we then had a, a, a sunny a sunny period, then a storm sort of just before <laughs> half time as well. So. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I think obviously with Bristol only being sort of 12 miles down the road, I think uh, you know Bristol fans are out there in in force as well, wanting to to see a victory for the first time in uh, <laughs> in over 13 years. So um, yeah, uh, enjoyed it as ever, but 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 just disappointed. And I think well, we stayed around at the end and um, and sort of clapped the players round, and you could see. Uh, that it really uh it was hurting them i think mm. to 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 lose that game and uh bristol on the other hand um obviously absolutely buzzing
2: yeah i think Rory echoes those sentiments certainly yeah. in the interview did we mention we had an interview with with Roy McConaughey? I don't <laughs> think we mentioned it but um i i think from my point of view watching the the game from behind the posts you could you could see a lot better the the kind of spacings um, between the the players in defence, and therefore where the where the spaces are to run and, and where the gaps are for for, for Bristol and, and for particularly Bristol players to exploit, and I, I think kind of in that first half particularly. Bristol were so good at exploiting the the channels out wide, and kind of Bath were defending pretty narrowly, I think. Yeah. Uh, and Bristol were not afraid to to get it through the hands, two, three, four passes out to the wing. And where we were sat, you could you could really see just how much space they had out wide, and just the the the, the willingness they had to to get the ball wide, and and sort of positioning a a loose forward, so whether that be a Chris Vuey or um. Uh, Stephen Luatua, I thought, was immense on the day, positioning them in the wide channel, so that when or if the the the, the move breaks down, there's a, a back rower there to to ruck over and to there, there there will be quick ball to kind of go again. And they're really playing kind of coast to coast rugby, exploiting a bit of um, narrow Bath defence, and that ultimately led to to their first try, a kind of break on the wing from from Chris Vui and, and showed quite good pace to to, to touch down.
1: Yeah, it looked it looked far too easy actually. to to kind of break the the Bath defence or or to go wide and sort of around it. As as you were saying, we were quite narrow. And Bristol, who only had just over 30% of of possession and only 30% of of territory during the entire game, which um, isn't a lot at all, made 11 uh, clean breaks of of the line in that time versus, versus only six for Bath. So I think Callum Sheedy in particular, who pulled the strings very well from fly half, was finding it fairly straightforward to to find those gaps in defence, um, and we also made it you know relatively easy for them in, mm. in that first half at, at times. So the Chris Fury try again much too narrow. I've spoken about it before, but automatically turning and corner flagging back to our um, back to try and make a sort of last ditch defence. Reese Prieston kind of missed a man on the inside, and it was just a simple two on one for him to him to finish, and then another individual error for the for the second try. Uh, a penalty advantage with Bristol, so you know Sheedy potentially being more ambitious than than he otherwise would. But Lewis Boyce flying up the line to to get the interception or to to make the hit on on Sheedy, and you know Callum Sheedy could have driven a a bus through that gap. It was absolutely huge, uh, made more so by by our angle in particular, and then to find again uh, a very nice nicely taken cross kick, but into the wide space where there was absolutely acres of space, no hmm. Bath defender out there, so. Um I would say you know fairly concerning actually defensively in that first half, and we just looked like we we were caught cold a bit, which is uh um you know uh, concerning
2: actually given the you know the, the the scale of the event and and how important a match it was it was weird i i kind of we looked a bit sleepy to me it was kind of weird like there were times when um, it may not have been easy to pick up on the TV but watching the game live you could see there were times when we didn't have the right numbers in the line out or people weren't dropping back to to take kicks for mm. for, for penalties and we just looked a little bit disjointed and a little bit um, I don't know sleepy and lethargic and like we are making sort of mental errors which were, which were being exploited on by Bristol not just kind of in the defensive line but just really silly schoolboy errors which kind of made it seem like I don't know what it was but the first half was a really kind of bizarre um particularly that first 20 minutes we just looked completely off the pace and we're probably lucky to only be what was it 12 12 3 12 12 3 down after mm. about 20 minutes and, and and then kind of we had a, a period on their line and and this was sort of the story of the game Tom uh, us not taking our opportunities and a period where they even had um a man in the sim bin for 10 minutes and we were battering away battering away at the line, but ultimately could, couldn't come up with any points during that ten minute period with 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 um, Joyce in in the simbin and, and and that was a really key moment because whenever Bristol got the opportunity as we saw for for the Sheedy break and for the Vui break they took took that opportunity
1: yeah and I you know uh, Big Mac uh, comes onto it. Um, very eloquently when in, in in the interview we we did earlier, so i won 't kind of steal his thunder, but i think that 's what 's been so frustrating because we've started over the last few weeks to get better at taking those opportunities to to make our our territory in possession count and just to you know have a bit more bottle frankly when we mm. when we do get in the in the red zone, but we just we just weren 't able to do it we looked um once we realized I think that we couldn 't just batter the door down because, as I say, Bristol were very committed in defense and and we were winning the the collisions for for most of the game. I think once we realised that, you know, we try these outlandish offloads or, you know, the little chip and chase through from, from Freddie Burns or, or the, uh, uh, towards the end of the game, which amounted to, to nothing and just wasn't on the, the offload from, from Matavesi, again, no need to throw it. And ultimately ended up in, in a Bristol try when they sort of picked up on the, on the loose ball. So we're trying to throw the million dollar pass when, when it's not on, we're not backing ourselves to, to find another way to, to score the try and to, to show enough composure to do that, so mm. um, you know, as Rory says, I think that's what the players are gutted about. It's not that we've got uh, we got beaten, um, you know, and, and we had absolutely no way of winning that game. There were plenty of opportunities, opportunities that we have been taking in the last few weeks, um, and and for whatever reason, we just um, we just weren't able to to take it. And, and as he says, I think the players are having a a kind of long hard. Uh, look at, this, uh, at that and, uh, and at themselves while while looking their wounds this week.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think even going into the second half, Tom, which I actually thought we were a little bit brighter in that second half. I think, frankly, we, we we dominated the the game apart from in that taking of of the opportunities, which is you know really you know kind of the reason I I don't want to go into to too much depth about this game is not only because we've got that, that interview with, with Roy to come and he speaks, you know, he puts in a lot more more clarity but I think it is a, a reasonably simple game to analyse this and it's a game where one team takes the opportunities and one team frankly doesn't take the opportunities and that's the difference on the day and And, and, and therefore absolute credit to Bristol. They fully deserve to win because they took their opportunities as I keep saying and we just didn't and, and, and their defence was fantastic and whether it was part of um, you know whether it was partly down to their superb defence or our inability to to create anything really in attack i think it was a mixture of both meant that that apart from that one Prieston break and chudley try under the post, we never we never we never yeah. troubled troubled the try line
1: and that you know whilst that try was a, a well taken try from from Priestland, who i thought had a had a decent game actually uh, again from unstructured play so you know you can't bank on mm. someone making a break like that and, and scoring a try like that every game there was nothing that that came from any set move or um you know or any any uh, set piece or anything or any like consistent so, pressure no, yeah yeah there was just a you know one off break from 40 meters under the sticks against you know a defense by that point was getting understandably tired. you know bristol put in a massive shift g 215 tackles made only 26 missed compared with bath who only had to make 98 mm. tackles given obviously the the ball and field position that we had and we missed 30 of those tackles which you know frankly is is very uncharacteristic and uh, and not good enough at all
2: well that's the story of the game tom and just looking at it individually so our top tackle maker i think i think i told you this stat, but who yeah. was our our top tackle maker yeah, jack walker, so, yeah. so jack walker with nine tackles led um, bass tackle stats, which is you know fine normally you'd expect uh, there, there to be someone in the teens at least. and Bristol had 12 players that made more than nine tackles. And that just shows the amount of pressure, well, not the amount of pressure, but the amount of ball that Bath had in that game and how we weren't able to to, to use that ball and to capitalise on the countless opportunities was really the story of the game. And that, that's the massive work on here. Uh, and why that was, you know, I don't really know. Just one of those things and also Bristol's defence and some careless mistakes, as you mentioned. We
1: didn't help ourselves either. I thought the the kicking was, was poor, the kicking out of hand. You know the one thing that we identified, the you know the the main area of strength there for Bristol is the the threat out wide and from the back, Luke Moraghan and Charles Pietau in particular. And we kicked countless times, you know, down to to Pietau, who must have thought it was you know it was absolute Christmas come early. He ran it back, um, was beating men for for fun, as we know he did. So just don't give him the the opportunities that that he wants. Don't play into into Bristol's hands. Find the mm. stands with your. With your kicks, and then let our line-up defense, which has you know be much better than our, um, you know than our defense from from sort of in broken play, let that kind of kind mm. of do the work. So we didn't you know on the day adapt to to identify those kind of opportunities and to, to manage the the game well. Um, and ultimately, yeah, that was uh, that was our downfall. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. And I was just going to say on the on the attack as well because mm. um, one thing we should we should talk about is Reese Webb. But just before just before we do, I think. We really, for me anyway, missed sat mercer's impact mm. since, since he's been back. I think we were we were too one dimensional in attack up front. We were just trying to batter the the door down. Toby Fallatile, we know that he can do um you know offer something different and, and beat defenders and offload and, and use his feet. He still doesn't seem kind of a hundred percent and and to be making the the impact that that he will want and to rest sat Mercer as as they chose to do uh, for me was a was a big call, and I would have liked to see him. In the 23, in such a crucial game, mm. and then obviously with with with, with a two-week break after this weekend.
2: Mm. Yeah, it does seem strange that they chose to to rest Zach. I, I guess they were thinking, you know, we've got Tau Lupe Falatau, so we don't necessarily need him and, and use him for the extra game when we are going to need uh, a Mercer because there'll be no Falatau. Mm. But. Um, yeah, looking back now, it does kind of seem like a, a, a strange decision. I think that kind of um, sums it up really. We huffed and we puffed, but there was no blowing the the Bristol House down no. or, or on Saturday, on Sat no. on Sunday. Any any kind of um, positives, Tom? Whoa. You want you want to take from the game before we come on to talk about uh, Reese Webb, which we will. Um, are there any positives that that you can glean from the game, perhaps individual or or an element of of, of, of our play? Um.
1: I'm trying to think really I think when we when we rung the changes in the in the second half that was you know a big uh, you know significant changes when Beno Obano came on as ever he just looked an absolute force both um, from a, a carrying perspective and also at uh, scrum time and Will Stewart uncharacteristically was a you know was a little bit bit quieter and I thought Christian Judge um, when he came on provided some sort of solidity and that was kind of when we looked most dangerous. Tom Ellis came on at the the same time and I thought those guys um combined to 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 do pretty well. Francois Lowe was a a menace as ever at the breakdown, although kind of didn't get the um, you know the, the rewards from Ian Tempest that that he might. Um, and, you know, Tom Homer as ever in in fairly difficult conditions again was was solid, and I think from from our position, G, you do get an appreciation for how difficult it is mm. to cover all that ground at the back and to 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 be one step ahead of the the, the kicker and and the attack to to sort of position yourself, uh, uh, you know, appropriately. And he's he's an absolute master at that. Mm. But, um,
2: as, as was Charles out.
1: Yeah, in, in oh, fact, no watching no him doubt.
2: and it sort of marshal that backfield, and when he got it, the the pace which he can change the reaction was was really something to behold. He he was outstanding. Yeah, on the day, talk to me uh, about. Elliot Stook's performance, Tom. Have you got his stats to hand? Because I don't, but from watching the game, I-, I thought he was fantastic. A menace in the in the line-out for us and, and for them. Uh, uh, and I thought uh, his maul defence was fantastic on a couple of occasions. And then in that second half, he really grew into the game on a couple of occasions with half breaks and offloads yeah. and, and kind of nearly creating something. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah. He got that pole roger Man of the match thing, which is you know a bit of a damp squib when yeah. you lose that ball. man. To,
1: he did look happy to, to receive it, but um, he had a he had a he had a brilliant game. Yeah, I, I should have mentioned him. Forty two meters um, he made, so only Tom Homer and Samesa Rocadaguni with more meters on the day. And I'm sure he'll be um, he'll be letting the the boys know that this week. Um, but also, yeah, as you say, twelve carries, um, six tackles, three defenders beaten, a clean break um as well from from Stookey and, and a turnover as well so yeah very uh, solid performance and again you know these type 5 guys one thing i will say is the type, these type these 5 guys are having to learn how to play 80 minutes mm-hmm. um, Jack Walker at the end we saw him <laughs> we saw him sort of trek his way off the off the swamp and he looked absolutely exhausted having uh, having put in the the full 80 Elliot Stook as well and Josh McAnally in that in that in that type 5 Putting in all 80, so those boys, you know, at least they're, um, you know, they're, they're getting some experience, and they must be getting a fairly, a fairly fit. I think playing on that pitch for 80 minutes mm. um, in such a physical game with, with Tom Dunn etc. away, so. Um, yeah, credit for those guys for putting in a shift. And as I say, I think all that effort did mean that they did look fairly gutted and fairly demoralised uh, yeah. at the end of the game. Anyway, we should come on to Therese to Webb because we, we said we weren't going to spend too long on this game. Well, um, so Webb straight into the starting lineup, uh, having signed for the club on Tuesday. Let,
2: let, um, me, let, let me set this up on. for you, Tom, just by turning to Twitter at BathRugbyPlug and a t- tweet from Callum uh Gore, Gore, uh, Goffran, I think that is, who That's says... That's definitely wrong. He <laughs> says, well, it's Darren Goff, then, ran. So, Goffran. Um, he says, Webb is a fantastic statement signing, but throwing him into to start after a week of training was a mistake that did neither him or Bath any favours. It can only get better. Do you do you agree with that? Do you think it was a mistake, with hindsight, I will add, to, to put um, Webb straight into the starting 15? I
1: was surprised that he... Yeah, that he was straight into the nine jersey. I would have, I think, preferred him to to come into the twenty three, but you know, probably come on to um, come on sort of for the last fifteen, fifteen, twenty minutes. That said, you know, he is experienced at, at playing and, and pairing up with with Rich Priestland mm-hmm. and indeed Toby Falatao. And I think, as we said, he is um, pretty world class. And to be honest, when I was getting a little bit carried away on last week's podcast, I did say that I would I would bring him straight in. In hindsight, I think he probably still had a a little bit more to to learn in terms of the way the way we're playing. Mm. He was very reticent while he was on, particularly in the first half, to to box kick. Um, you know, the policy has been to get the ball to Priestland to to kick downfield, but I think at times you need to you need to use that box kick as a weapon as well. But you know, we are we did see sort of glimpses yeah. of what he can bring. I think the the last ditch tackle. Oh. Um, on Luke Morahan for that, just prior to that, uh, that Bristol third try was an absolutely fantastic, uh, fantastic piece of defence. So um, I think very exciting, and as you say, it can only, get, as Callum says, it can only get better. It's a real statement of intent, um, but I think you know, still things to to work on clearly.
2: Yeah, uh, I think that's quite that's pretty much spot on, Tom. I, I think as you say, there were glimpses. He took one tap and go from a free kick when when he broke and released. I think it was Rokadaguni, but it was called back by Ian Tempest he oh, wasn't yeah. taken on the spot. And you can see it's there. It's definitely still there. I think he was quicker to the breakdown than, than, than what we've seen from both Chudley and Cook this season. But, I just don't think he was quite in tune with, with the rest of the team and you say that um, he will have experience playing with Falatao and Priestland and I think if it hadn't been for those two playing alongside him I don't think they'd have dreamt yeah. of putting him in there but that's a long time ago since those guys were playing together and, and just little things um, that I noticed that, that kind of suggested to me he was not quite there so for example on, on a couple of occasions he the ball off a, off a line out or when it came off the top to him was just a little bit behind him or a little bit down and it's kind of he hasn't got that fluency that rhythm with the forward jumpers in the line out so they know exactly the timing and it's just little things like that which come from experience with with playing Mm. with a forward pack and 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 you can only get that through that experience and just moments like that where it looked a little bit untidy because he hasn't got that experience and also there were a couple of occasions when he when he got the ball at the breakdown he kind of looked didn't necessarily know who was the was the kind of um, preferred receiver of the forward pack so yeah i think that can only come with time and it's a fantastic signing for bath i think but i do think with hindsight i think that's important to add it may have been just um a week too early to have him in from the start but 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 i i think to be honest i i think this is massively hindsight speaking i was very excited to see him and the team and i think a lot of bath fans were so just because the result maybe went against us i it certainly wasn't on web And, and i think it's important to note that um we're all really excited to, to 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 see him play. So um as 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 Callum says and as you say, um, yeah, definitely the, the best is yet to come from him in a bath shirt. Um any other points from from this game, Tom? Um, or should we? We've teased it long enough. Should yeah, we get I think, straight I to the think One I'd rather
1: forget, to be honest. But uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think credit
2: to Bristol; they were the better side on the day, took their opportunities, and, and were phenomenal in defence. So um, yeah, credit to them. Yeah, right. I think, sorry.
1: The last thing I will say actually is is the guys <laughs> the guys missing from international duty, and you know we a lot of what we're we're talking about here um I think to you know to some degree does get improved and, and potentially solved by by those guys coming back. Mm. I mean JJ, Watson, Thokenersager, if those three come into that back line and then the guys currently in the fifteen, Tom Homer who's been absolutely class, drop back into the into the twenty three, that is turning into a you know a very, very tasty um uh, uh, you know attacking threats all over the field the front five guys don't have to play 80 minutes because you know we've got trust in in those guys and also Tom Dunn Charlie Hughes etc to to do the job and then Sam Underhill coming back in as well obviously a massive massive player there so you know we should caveat that we have got guys missing Bristol don't have guys missing from for internationals uh, as we've mentioned um and I think you know that that has to that has to come into mm. it however as you say they were they were the better side on the day and um yeah, we should we should hold our hands yeah, up. Yeah, it
2: certainly isn't all doom or gloom. I think no, all, all. all. that hard work that, put in, that was put in over the past sort of three or four weeks when we've been winning those close games—that's not lost now because of one poor performance against Bristol. So I think that's important to know. A little bit of context. Whilst it does feel like the world may have ended because you've lost twice to Bristol in one season, you know there are still plenty of opportunities to win games. Right, we've teased we've teased this way too long enough. Um, earlier today, me and Tom uh, caught up with with friend of the podcast Roy McConnell this was our chat Enjoy with it. him okay we're delighted to be joined by olympic silver medalist world cup silver medalist friend of the podcast is big mac and Tri's rory mcconaughey rory <laughs> welcome to the bath rugby plug mate hi right, lads great to be here um how are you how are you today have you had a day off today after sunday's game
0: yeah yeah luckily we um we got the day off um quick turnaround so sometimes you're not too sure whether you're going to get it off but um, now nah, we had the day off um, a lot of us licking our wounds sort of assessing the game from yesterday and just trying to recover as quick as possible for, uh, for the extra game on
2: Saturday. Yeah what do you do on, on a day off like that is it kind of in the swimming pool active recovery or is it literally just day in front of the sofa um, catching up on a box set or something? Um,
0: it's their own really I think um, probably a Probably a mix of both of them for me. Uh, me and Clarky, uh, Max Clark, uh, housemate and and landlord. Luckily for me, <laughs> um, we just got back from the pool. Actually, just to have a, a little stretch off and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much whatever. Whatever the individual wants. It could just be a day in bed. It could be walking around and doing. Some actual non rugby, normal life things, which we don't get to do
1: too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, each their own, Rory, because we saw Christian uh, uh, Judge and uh, Max Wright without wanting to drop a minute in five <laughs> guys on uh, on Sunday night. So probably not, probably not the sort of active recovery that uh, that, that you've been doing, being the being the professional you are. But uh, yeah, how do you how do you look back on you know twenty four hours to sink in? How do you sort of look back on back on the game and and sort of what went what went wrong ultimately?
0: I guess it's um it's one of those I think even if we'd won at the end, um, which we still had chances to do. I know I ballsed up one of the strike plays and then we've called something else wrong. Um, I think we would have still been a bit uh, pissed off at our own performance. I think, you know, we, we had about I think it was looking back at it, I think it was ten minutes more possession than them. Mm. And that's that's massive in a game. Um and with a lot of time spent in their twenty-two uh, which we just didn't convert on you know the, the try we did score was almost from sort of 40 yeah. meters out So we, we didn't <clears> actually score a try when we had possession in their 22 um, Which we've got to have a long hour look at ourselves and, and know that's not good enough um, and yeah, you know we we didn't take the chances that we had, and Bristol had a few chances and and they took them, and that's that's the brutality of this league. Like it can be a six point loss um, any other day. We'd have scored two more tries and and beaten them, and we'd be sitting third right now. But um, we're you know we're fifth, still a point out of top four, and and now got to go. Go to Sandy Park and hope to get a result
1: there. Well, what do you think that that comes down to? Because you know, one of the things we've we've noticed that there's been a real improvement is just that we've been we have been taking our chance a little bit better. You know, we've been very effective in in close quarters. Um, you know, battering teams up up through the middle, pick and go. Uh, in sort of recent weeks, and we've been starting to sort of see um, kind of a bit of, bit of a threat out wide as well. So, why do you think? Because, like you say, on particularly during that first half when they were down to fourteen men with the with the yellow card, we were battering the door down, but just not able to to find that final pass. So, what do you sort of what do you sort of put that down to? Um,
0: yeah, you know, as, as you said, we've we, we've been
1: priding ourselves on on mm. how well we've been doing in in opposition's red zone in twenty two. You know,
0: against Worcester, we converted. I think. I think three out of four times we were sort of five metres out, we scored. Um, or similar to that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it's ob- it's obviously difficult um, as a back to to really know mm. what's going wrong in, in terms of our pick and go and stuff and why we weren't getting much momentum as that. I think a few times we we missed opportunities to go, um, as in uh, get the ball out of the ruck into the back's hands mm. when we were... When we had numbers up on and a, and a penalty advantage on their five-meter line, um, mm. and that's you know that's a breakdown of communication. That that's our fault for not shouting loud enough. Um, but uh, yeah, I, you know you got to also at the same time, as much as you hate it, you got to give it give credit to Bristol. You know their defense. I thought actually looking back at back of it was pretty outstanding. They they covered the field really well. Um, Perhaps we could have made you know, more, more use of that backfield space when Piotr was on his own. Um, but obviously you don't want to get any loose kicks to him because he's, yeah. he's a world-class player. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a few things to look at, um, which you know, is annoying because it, it's, it's our errors most of it, or up to, it's a work on for us. But I guess the good thing is uh, they're not massive. It's not, not a massive work on. It's little things that we can change um,
2: yeah. to, be, you know, to go
0: really successful.
2: And you say there are a few things to, to work on. How does that kind of look now from a team's point of view? Will you guys sit down all together tomorrow, Tuesday and break it down or, or will it kind of be parked because kind of everyone kind of knows where they've gone wrong? How does that work from, from a team and coaching point of view? No, like first
0: day of the week, we definitely... We uh, we review that game, um, win or loss, It's always it's always the same. We will spend the same amount of time on it, um, and then and then post post rugby session uh, on the first training session of the week. That's when we'll have sort of our one on ones and and go through individual bits of the game uh, with coaches to work on. But then after that, you just you've just got to park it and, and look on to the next week, just because there's there's not enough time really, and these weeks go so quickly. And a lot of training days. Uh, just due to the the physical demands on on bodies, so yeah, you, you park it
1: and then um, and then just look forward and look into the opportunities for the next game coming up. And will that will that be split up tomorrow in into forwards and, and backs or, or sort of positional units? Or how, how does that work tomorrow with the review? Yeah, normally you get um, yeah. your know, forwards and backs
0: units meetings will be in the morning. Then we'll have a team meeting just before training, and then we'll train. And then after training, will be the the one one to ones. right
2: and just looking at the, the season um, more generally, Rory, um, and kind of, it, it, as you say, this one on Sunday was really disappointing, but if we had one, we'd have been up into third. Um, so it is, you know, we are definitely seeing improvements. How have you kind of rated the overall performance of the team uh, this season? Um, I think it's, it's definitely promising. Um
0: you know, you, you look at the league, um, you started to see it probably for the first time last year, but you look at it this year and it's just, it's nuts how close, um, well, from now it's it's almost second, second down to probably seventh or eighth um, in terms of the points and how, how, how close yeah. it is and, and tight the league is. I think it's like, I think it's less, cool. I think it's less, or it's like 10 points
1: separating second and ninth which is ridiculous (laughs) Um,
0: it's like two wins can get you from in any other season two wins could get you from a relegation scrap up to top four and it's yeah Mm -hmm. so it just shows you know every team's getting stronger and it's so much harder to win Especially away from home, but also like again, like in in years gone by, sort of people rely on their home record to to really stand strong. but actually, it's more and more common. Mm. Uh, it's getting more and more common to, for people to lose at home at the same time. So it's yeah, it, it is tough, but you know, I think if we're if we're in and around. The top four and leaving it, leaving ourselves with a shot near the end of the season, I think will come good. Um, but
1: you know, this this part of the season's massive just to try and create that gap um, from those sort of yeah, awesome you, 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 teams down to the sixth, seventh, eighth. You talk about how tight the league is as well, and it's it's not just wins and losses. Bonus points are obviously, you know, hugely important, and that was actually the first losing bonus points you know to try and salvage some sort of positive from the from the game that we we've got this season so you know seven wins as many as sale and and bristol and only fewer than than exeter but only those two bonus points so uh you know although we lost i guess you know it is very tight and it might turn out to be crucial to try and try and get those bonus points uh come the end of the season
0: yeah definitely um you know we've We've spoken about it and how, mm. how important it is. If you are going to lose, you've got to lose within seven. Mm. Um, and then, winning-wise, we always want to push for those for those four tries um, because it is like I think before this game we were still sat fifth, but we'd won more times than you know Bristol and Sale had. Mm. Um, but because they'd had more bonus points than us, they were still sitting ahead of us. So they are massively important, um, and that's where we've that's where we really want our sort of our, our attack to click and, mm-hmm.
2: and get those tries, rather than relying on 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 the boot of our tens to to get the win. Yeah, I think a lot of the games this season ha- have been pretty close. Um, but but we've been kind of winning the close games whereas perhaps last season um, we were coming on the wrong side of, of some of these close games is there kind of a reason that you can put your finger on that's different this season than to last which would explain why those close games are are actually going our way generally speaking this season um,
0: I guess we're we, we are taking more chances early on in the game I always, I always said last year like I know we got a lot of, you know, bad rap. I think it was three or four games in a row around this time last year where we were losing last play of the game. Mm. Um, and you know, it's all it's all well and good, yes, yeah, saying that we shouldn't have seen last last play in the game, but at the same time, we could have done so much more earlier on in the game that that was more obvious to us um, mm. to not let it get to that point in the first place. So I think we're, we're doing better, we're doing more in the more in the earlier parts of the game. But again, at the same time, I think our our defence and especially our kick sprint, our kick chase this year has improved massively. um, And we really sort of back ourselves to go multiple phases and and allow that uh, and make that team want to kick back to us.
2: Mm. Um, Just kind of um, parking this season a little bit then, Roy, and looking back to, to your first season for Bath um was there um like one factor or was it a multi- multiple of factors which kind of made you make the switch from sevens back to to fifteens um yeah
0: you know i I'd, I'd been i've been thinking about it probably for about 12 months okay. um before i sort of really went for it um i'd like chat with my agent he'd always sort of backed me either way um if i wanted to stay in sevens or come to fifteens so he just want he just wanted me to make the decision that I wanted to do. Um, I guess it helped um, massively with having Dan Cooper head of analysis here. Um, he's um, he was came from the sevens after after the Olympics. He, he moved on and moved to Bath. So having him here got my foot in the door almost, and you know helped me massively making that switch uh, from sevens to fifteen. So it was one of those things. I think the the main thing that was holding me back was knowing how much I enjoyed the Sevens and you know the the lifestyle being able to travel the world for your job was pretty cool and, mm. and it was very unique in terms of the, the group of boys that we had um and and are still there is is so tight knit. Mm. Um and it's just yeah, something that I don't think you can replicate in a fifteens environment. Um so that was the one thing that was holding me back, but in the end of the day, you know, I'd I'd have I'd have happily retired at Sevens but I'd have had something in the back of my head thinking, what yeah. if, like, should I have tried 15s at some point, and it was something that I couldn't really turn down.
2: Yeah, you you mentioned that relationship with with Dan Cooper. So was it kind of a a case where you reached out to him um, and said, look, I'm I'm interested in coming back to 15s. Can you kind of put a word in for me, or was there a uh, did he kind of suggest the bath? Oh, I know Rory's maybe interested. Do you want to reach out to him? How how kind of a, did it work, or was it a bit of a bit of both there?
0: Yeah, it was a bit of both. I, uh, me and him had chatted chatted a bit about it. Um he just he said he reckoned my style of play would suit fifteens, um and that I could make a good go of it. And I just uh, yeah, so I like got him chatting to my agent a bit and then we we sort of like put my name out there when I when I said I wanted to try fifteens. Obviously Bath was Bath was a potential place. Um at the time I wasn't sure where we were gonna go in terms of my missus living up in near Birmingham, mm-hmm. so I was thinking, do I go sort of Midlands way? But actually like Bath seemed a perfect fit. It was um I came down, had a look around, they were really keen on me. Um not actually not a lot of our clubs were keen at the time. It's just <laughs> a stick with it. It
2: was Oh a stick mate, how with wrong they were. Yeah. How wrong they were as well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, nah, it's just I guess it's just the nature of being a Sevens player is that stigma about it. They don't don't seem don't think they can make the um, the switch from it. Uh, so yeah, Bath, Bath were really keen, and yeah, I've not looked back. I've I've absolutely loved
1: it here. Twelve months with Clark, he's been cool. Um, mm. And yeah, no, it's, it's
0: been a class city to to call my home
1: now. You're gonna be uh, growing your hair out as well, then, uh, Rory. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I can pull it off. I don't think I can do the Clarkson special. And what, what were the... Uh, interesting, because obviously Sevens being a very different game and most of your experience at, at the top level being at Sevens, what were the main challenges, changes to your game that, that you had to make uh, and had to make quickly when you when you moved across to Fifteens to, to and, and Bath?
0: Um, I guess it was... It was accepting that actually there's a lot more info involved and a lot more detail that goes behind each game um, and that preparation through the, throughout the week. Obviously, sevens is actually, you look at it, um, it's actually quite a simple game, and obviously there's, there's limited you can do with seven people on the pitch, so actually the detail behind it is there, but it's not as you don't have to remember uh 15 or 20 moves throughout the mm. season different different plays sort of thing um so there was that um obviously like just getting used to uh kicking again kicking yeah. sort of did a lot of work with um alex davis uh, last year he's helped me massively um and then yeah like simple things like a high ball like it's different obviously sevens for three years i practice catching it above my head mm. um so catching it and all, almost like the cradle was—it was like learning it from from level one again. So um, no, it was it was it was different. It was kind of like a crash course in a few months because I joined right at the end of preseason after our um, after our Sevens World Cup, and so I sort of learned by playing in the A League, and then you know managed to get a lucky break in the first team through. Few boys were injured and few boys were on England duty. Well,
1: and then and then through to through to England duty as well. Because it, it it felt quick <laughs> I mean, because when you when you started playing for for Bath United, and I remember going to one of those Monday night games early on, and they played you in the centre up um, at, at fifteen on the wing. I think you even had to go at fly half, didn't you? Uh <laughs> yeah, possibly not. But <laughs> well, was it, what, I think we had we had enough invitational players <laughs> for that
0: Quinns game that
1: I was probably ending up at fly half at or twelve. Or something was like it? Was the it, end of it? Was it pretty clear sort of early on that? Um, that I guess wing and all the back three, but particularly wing was going to be your your position going forwards. Um, yeah, I guess probably when I first came in,
0: I was thinking about fullback just because that's where I played my rugby uh, before I moved to sevens. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it was uh, it's a it's a big step up from sort of national ones Premiership at that position, and the the talent that we've got here uh, when Tommy Home is firing and Anthony's doing the same, like. Is some serious quality at, at 15 so it was more at the start like i was on, honestly thinking like right how can i crack into that 23 sort of be that guy that can cover back three positions and 13 at push um sort of be that ultimate number 23 on the bench um but yeah just managed to play more and more at wing and
1: yeah. um i i enjoy it um but i'm still still same sort of Mind in terms of I feel I can play anywhere across the back three, um, if need be, and I'm not really uncomfortable in most in most of those positions. Or, or the back row, judging by uh, judging by uh, the the Quinns game and that uh, that Jackling at, at the end in the corner there. Where did where where did, where did that <laughs> come be, from?
0: That'll be the old uh, the seven stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned you mentioned Alex Davis is um, kind of helping out a lot with the the kicking side of thing. I was going to ask if you. Um obviously what 2 years ago nearly now that you you signed on for Bath so still not very long but in in that time from a 15s perspective if you if you had to pick sort of i guess say one coach and and one player have sort of been the the key influences on your your 15s career thus far who would you uh, who would you go with Um yeah I guess
0: Welly. I guess uh, Alex Davis has you know mm-hmm. he's he spent a lot of time with me last year which was, was really beneficial um it's great to be able to chat, like to the other players, like the back three experience and qualities that we've got here um, is is massive, and it's great to be able to chat to all of them about different things. Like they all bring their own their own talent to the table, um, and I guess uh, having good chats with Gervin Dempsey's always decent. He's he's very like very smart coach, very intelligent, um, like very big on his detail and stuff, um, and obviously being. How many caps for Ireland at fullback? He's yeah. he could play as
2: well, so it's good to good to be able to bounce ideas off him. Yeah, um, and then obviously kind of learn off all these guys and and, and found yourself um, on a kind of meteoric rise towards the the England squads. Um, even though we were kind of touting you as a, a shoe in for the squad from from about your second appearance <laughs> for Bath. Kind of when did when did you in yourself feel like um, it was a possibility that you might? Uh, get the call to to go to Japan? Um, Honestly, not
0: not until Eddie rang me himself um, after our last game of the season did I have any sort of thought that I'd be involved. I I knew there were... um, just through, just through Daz Edwards, the old backs coach here, like he sort of mentioned it. I was like, England were looking at me as a possibility as the, for the uncapped game against the Barbars. Mm. Um So that's all I had in my head. Um, and then obviously Eddie like rang me, and then te- I didn't pick up. Then he texted me, so I oh. rang back. <laughs> Not not sure who who it was. I wasn't sure if it was a joke or not. Um, and then yeah, chatting to him and stuff. And yeah, that was that honestly the first first time I heard of it. First time I I thought I had a chance.
2: And, and just talk to us a little bit about um, the the World Cup experience. Obviously, we were there as fans. I guess it's a slightly different experience being a part of it as a coach as a player. But that must have been um, absolutely insane few few weeks and months.
0: Yeah, it, it was. It was like incredible. I know a few people have said like, "Oh, like obviously game time aside," but actually, like, I I had my, I was pretty set on going out there. And if I didn't play a minute, I was still going to try and enjoy it as as <laughs> yeah, much mate. as possible. And every bit of game time was a bonus because you know to be to be part of that team, to go out to Japan and. And, and losing the fall although any other day we're going to win in that final but losing that final um, was such a good experience and I know I know Chunder's um, Sam Underhill had a quote I think <laughs> a few few weeks ago saying like I'm not going to let one 180 minutes uh, ruin sort of 17 weeks of, of of enjoyment which we had and I'm very much a believer of that it was, it was an incredible camp uh, leading up to it and then to be out in Japan um, those those eight weeks was was incredible as well, and you know memories that I'll I'll never forget.
1: Well, I was going to say that the biggest mistake that Eddie Jones made was uh, was taking you out of the, the the team after the USA game went over on um, on World Cup debut. You must have thought, how how good is this fifteen stuff? Why am I been doing this all along? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. It
0: was it was class. It was um, it was actually a weird a weird feeling after that game. Obviously, the quality of back three that England have, and, and you know. I I'd back I'd back a lot of them against the, you know, best back threes in the world. Um is is a testament to us. And it was almost after that USA game I didn't feel like I'd although I scored, fired a proper shot. Um so actually for a few days afterwards it was a weird feeling. It was almost like annoy, annoyance and, and wishing I'd done more. But then, then you snap yourself back into it and realise that actually you're still at a World Cup, you're still sort of representing your country out there and, and, and part of a very successful team representing their country.
2: Yeah, 100% man, it was absolutely fantastic, we absolutely loved um following you out there and yeah... Um, from our point of view, the biggest cheer was when you crashed over for, for that try in the corner. I may know that about that. That two metre running. Yeah, what a finish, mate! It was 22 metres by after a couple of drinks um, after the game. I'm sure. Um, just on England, finally, Rory. And, and if you don't want to answer this, then fair enough. But have you have you heard any more from from Eddie Jones since the World Cup? Obviously, you weren't involved. Um, with the Six Nations squad, um, do you have any idea why that might have been? And, and, and has he kind of indicated to you um, that, that you may be involved in the future,
0: yeah, well, I had a good chat with Eddie. Um, when was it? Um, after our Ulster game, uh, he rang me up and just said, "Look, I wasn't, I wasn't going to be involved in the squad, but I was on backup, um, yeah. and just to be sort of be ready whenever." Um, He's just had a mixture of form and injury. had not gone yeah. my way. Hadn't, like. And to be fair, like if I was to think of two reasons why I wasn't why I wasn't picked, those those would be those two reasons. Mm. You know, uh, the handbrake was a was poorly timed, and then I knew I hadn't been playing playing my best. I know we hadn't played played well as a club. I think we lost five in a row, or four in a row, and um, I, yeah, I, I kind of thought like actually. A few weeks before he rang, I was thinking, I don't think I've sort of if I if I'd got picked, I probably felt I didn't deserve to be picked to that stage in terms of on form, and I hadn't sort of worked up enough credit in the bank. Um, Like if say if Johnny had a had a bad run of games, we know that he can perform for England, and he's done it for years, so um i'd need to get to that level first before i felt felt disheartened um yeah. so yeah had a good a good chat with him um and then also had a good chat with simon Amor. obviously know him from the sevens well yeah um and coming on as coming on as the attack coach for england he 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 was pretty honest as well and i know i know how to chat to him and, and i know he's going to be completely honest with me as well um so yeah it's a good chats um and let's just fo- focus on focus on stuff for the future, just to get back
1: playing and what I do well. Yeah, I was going to say, obviously, kind of a mixture of of kind of bad time really, and it must have been you know quite physically and I'm, I'm mentally demanding just being out in in Japan during the off season and then coming back in, sort of straight into the into the Premiership season again, and then as you say, you had the 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 hand injury as well. So I, I guess looking looking ahead now, and, and I guess speaking to to Simon already Jones, what what in broad terms are the main things that you are working on 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 a personal level in in your game to to try and um, again get back to the get back to the the top level where, where you belong?
0: Yes, it's it's nothing. It was pretty simple, really. It's not it's not about reinventing the wheel. It's it's literally doing doing what I do best, which and why I was picked in the first place, which is. Sort of beating people um, in my attack and being a smart defender, and then also sort of trying to be as world class in the air as possible. Mm. Um, and I, if I if I dominate, then dominate those those parts of my game. Then I'm doing everything I can. If I don't get picked off that, then I can't do much more. Um, so as long as I feel that I'm doing those, um, then I'll be happy. Um, but yeah, so I'm still still trying to work on it obviously it'll be great to get some dry ground to run on um rather than the box yeah at the moment. but um no uh yeah looking forward to that challenge and yeah it was it was pretty tough coming back from the world cup obviously you've done six months of summer and then coming yeah. back to the bleak english winter where it's where it's windy and rainy and dark all the time it was it was quite actually uh something that i i knew could happen um and but potentially didn't prep myself properly for happening and um, yeah getting that first four weeks was probably pretty tough coming back Um, but now I'm just excited to you know get back playing for Bath and this, this part of the season last year was where I started sort of playing my best rugby and really enjoying it myself and opening it up. So, hopes I can do it again. Yeah,
2: just looking ahead then from from a Bath point of view, and this is probably our final question. We've had way too much of your time. We promised a ten minute chat, and it's um, right. been half an hour. But it's been great, uh, <laughs> great chatting to you. But what's kind of um, what's attainable for for this? Bath team this season. Obviously disappointed to drop out of the top four at um, uh, the weekend, but but I, I guess that's a realistic goal you guys are aiming at.
0: Yeah, definitely, and um, yeah, definitely. Still want we won that top four spot. We know how close it is, and we know how tight tight the league table is. But we know on our day we can beat anyone. Um, and you know, look, like, we'll put our hands up. We won't. Uh, we weren't playing our best um, yesterday, um, and Bristol are a good side. Like, however much you know, it's a big rivalry and a big derby. We can't deny that they are a good side, and you know they can beat anyone on their day as well. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely still looking at top four. We've got to get the wins when we can, um, as we know how tight the table is, and get every point we can away from home. Um, so yeah looking looking forward to this running now um, well, we've got 10, 10 games left of, mm. left of the season so targeting targeting everyone as they
1: come. And uh, yet another West Country derby uh, seems like' they're, they're sort of always uh, coming around these days with the, the league how it is but uh, down to Sandy Park on uh, on Saturday and uh, how do we beat them obviously at the wreck earlier on in the season but uh, how do we how do we beat them uh, how do we beat them on Saturday? I
0: guess it's, it's nullifying. It's nullifying what they're good at, so don't give them the opportunities. Our discipline's got to be massive um, because every every team knows how good extra are when they get ten to fifteen meters out from your line. So, if, if you're disciplined and you can't give them those easy penalties and kicks to touch, um, I think that's the first step. Um, you know, defense-wise, they love to play wide-wise. They have a lot. They normally keep two people in sort of the five fifteen channels. Normally, a, a forward and a back. Um, And yeah, that's where they love to bend teams and they're happy to keep playing deep, deep rugby um, and then wait till one team sort of uh, overcommits at a breakdown and then they'll get them on the other edge. So we know what they're good at um, and it's just trying to nullify that and then expose them where
2: we can. Yeah, fingers crossed for a positive result and get the season back on track. But um, thank you so much for for coming on the podcast, Rory, and, and thanks for being a, a top bloke for us now for 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 your whole eighteen months um, at the club. You really are a podcast favorite um, and a top top bloke. So thanks for that and uh, best of luck on on Saturday. No, not at all. And uh, I know, I know. Um... I
0: know Rob
2: absolutely loves getting his out on the pod, and he'll be he'll be tuning in this week.
0: Cheers, Rory. Speak to you soon. Good stuff. Cheers, mate. Cheers,
2: guys. In a bit. Thanks. Thanks again to Rory for for coming on. Really enjoyed that that (laughs) chat, Tom. Uh, What what did you kind of take out from it?
1: Yeah, well, you know, as we know, he's just an incredibly open and and honest guy. I thought the um, you know the way he, he. he admitted to the mistakes that he made both on on Sunday and how honest he was about about the performance there. And also, you know, just opening up and saying that you know he doesn't think he's playing well enough this season to to get an England selection. He didn't think it would be warranted, and how he wants to make those those changes, those improvements to to his game to to get back to that that top level. So I think you know Eddie Jones clearly rates him. Simon Amor clearly rates him as well. Um, and bloody hell we rate him, don't we? As well. Uh, so, uh, did we make yeah, that clear enough? Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> I feel you know we, we've now we've climbed out. We can uh, we can sort <laughs> of uh, get back to him you know top bloke. Uh, we, we you know we said to him it'll be it'll be ten fifteen minutes of his time, and uh, kept him there <laughs> for about twenty five minutes. So. Um, thanks a lot for for him to coming on and uh, I'm sure Rob uh, enjoyed the enjoyed the shout out from Roy at the end there as well
2: yeah I've been trying to get him on for a little while so finally kind of made it happen and hopefully um you know he, he didn't mind us taking up a little bit more time than we said we would uh, and he might be back on soon you never know but I think from those those interviews you just get little little nuggets even probably not even the stuff that that he thinks is the important stuff it's just the stuff that as fans you you don't really pick up on so just when he for example when he said about um, how how much he thinks Bath's kick chase uh, uh, and their, their line speed off that has improved this season it's just a little thing like that and it's, it's nothing massive but it's just nothing that, that I've really picked up on or has really been spoken about and and, and he probably doesn't really see it as, as a massive thing but speaking to the players who obviously know so much more about uh, Bath's game than, than, than we do Tom even though we like to think we know everything we clearly don't and, and just hearing little things like that is is, is always um, is always really interesting so yep. yeah really enjoy it. and let us know on on social media what you thought of that chat and what you and any points you want to bring up from from it
1: yeah and I think you know looking ahead to to the game on Saturday as well just a couple of of nuggets there really you know interesting interesting bits there about discipline playing in the in the right areas and not allowing Exeter to to use that clinicality they've got close to the line obviously they're prolific from from close range and with that pick and go game as well so not allowing them and to do that and nullifying their their threat and also just about positioning uh that, that they like to do an attack so they're having the forward usually the back rower and and the back in in between that five meter line and the 15 meter line and how they um overload on the short side and then spread out wide to uh, to, to 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 score the other side so fantastic insights there and certainly um elements of Bath's game on Saturday that, that I'll be looking out for Jay.
2: Yeah, well segues quite nicely on to uh the trip to to Sandy Park, Tom. Which, done this which, before, mate. <laughs> done it before. <laughs> well yeah, it'd be nice for a bit of help in the in the presenting slash technical side of that. That's the most technical thing um we've had to do in a little while on the podcast, getting that um interview in. I think well I hope it's worked well, but I had no help from oh, you Oh that mate. is the
1: kiss of death from you there. When it's just twenty five minutes of silence absolute and it goes silence. Out <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no you watched you watched the game the the very close fought loss game? away to to Harlequins 34-30 at finish with a penalty try in the 85th minute so some game by the sounds of it but what did you make of of Exeter's exeter's performance on the day
2: well uh, completely dominated by the simmons brothers and and in particular on saturday joe simmons was absolutely magical you know he kind of took the game by the scruff of the neck in that second half scored two tries in about five minutes it was a really really impressive performance from him and uh, and i think that exeter uh, wow, well, it was really tough at the end because whilst Harlequins were probably unlucky, Exeter were probably also unlucky in the way that game ended. It kind of left a little um, bit of a sour taste in the mouth and kind of makes me worry that we're going to be walking into an absolute buzzsaw on Saturday with an Exeter side still reeling from from that decision at the end and that defeat at the end with a point to prove against Bath who, who, who have just lost at home. So hopefully that isn't the case. Kind of made me a little bit worried that um extra have had one week off the boil and Baxter's gonna have them straight back on the boil. Um, just one thing from their game that, that I picked up on an area that I think we can potentially exploit. And that was actually um, at, at the set piece and in particular at scrum time. I thought that um, the, the the Quinn's props on the day, who who didn't have their first choice props, obviously Carl Sinclair, Joe Marlowe away with England, did a real number on, on, on Exeter's front row. I thought Christoph Ridley kind of struggled in that area. He kind of gave it as being a little bit more of an even battle. But I thought Mark Lambert really, really, had um uh, the, the extra tight head is it Pietro the Pieretto yeah. on on toast at certain points and you know dependent on which props Bath feel but if we can get either one of Stewart or Urbano back in that team I think that's an area where where we can hopefully look to exploit
1: yeah it feels big actually that selection on the tight head tight head side for for England because it's obviously likely to be either Will Stewart or Harry Williams and as much as you know i would obviously love to see stewart continue to to play to for england um in fact you know that that would be what I'd, you know, I'd i'd prefer to see just from from an england perspective and from for, for for his career as well but i think obviously if harry williams were were to play ahead of him then that opens up a a massive opportunity actually in that in that front row department and i think you know in an area where we've been we've been really good this season if we can get um uh, and Dunn and Cowan-Dickie as well, of of course. So if we mm. do, it, it is that we've got all those guys available on on Saturday. Then I think we could uh, really make our advantage pay in 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 that department. So yeah, um, I think that that's certainly an error. And I think on on Joe Simmons, it's just very important. I think not to give him space and not to give him time uh, as much as possible. I think you know the bath back row and uh, in particular need to make it uh, an uncomfortable afternoon for him because as I say. Um if you do give him space, he can he can make defences look very silly as he clearly did did against Quinns. And then I think the other point, obviously the big matchup that um we're all looking forward to to seeing another clash of young uh, young talented number eights, Sam Simmons against hopefully Zach Mercer, who I'm sure will be mm. be back in that number eight shirt. And another guy um along with Don Brandt who's been been touted for England and who's clearly very talented, um, and Sam Simmons in particular, I think. <laughs> Prior to his injuries last season, he has been very impressive and I think he's one of the leading talents in, in that position. So another massive day for Zap Mercer. But again, as we know, he'll he'll rise to the challenge and fully expect him to to come up on top, top mm, on that one. That, too. that
2: England selection actually becomes really interesting from from the point of view of this game and kind of the team that that does better in inverted commas out of that England selection. You know, in, in that they'll have the, the the front row guys back, yeah. will definitely benefit on Saturday, which is a little bit of a strange way of looking at it, but. Um, I do think it is going to be very, very tough on Saturday because I don't have the stats to hand, but I can't remember really the last time Exeter played at home in the Premiership and didn't score three, four, five tries. And Bath, as we've spoken about, have struggled to score, you know, four tries on on, on almost any occasion. The only time with the the four try bonus point in the Premiership was that game against London Irish. And, and I think to beat Exeter, we're probably going to have to get within the region of twenty five to thirty points yep. if the conditions are good at Sandy Park. Exeter are, are almost bankers for between 25 and 30 points so to beat them we're going to have to have to have uh, uh, one of our most promising attacking days and, and that kind of to me seems like it, it's going to be um, you know unrealistic to expect that
1: yeah I mean 40 tries in the 12 games that that they've played this season is you I know mean, more than any other side and significantly more than than Bath who are uh, almost half of that on on mm. 21 for this season so far. So I think I think that's going to be key and as as Rory was saying, nullifying that threat but also just not letting the game get ahead of uh, getting away from us early doors. We've seen in the past that if we do start cold if we're not quite off the bus, uh, Exeter can score or or any team can score a couple of early tries against us. Against other teams we've been able to to pull that back. We nearly did it and could have done it against Bristol on Sunday but against Exeter, I think it could all become, you know, a little bit a little bit too much. That said, you know, on the flip side, if we can start well, uh, we can. We know that we've got the makings to beat them. Obviously, having done so earlier mm. on in the season at the rack. Uh, but I think, unfortunately, you're right. It's a, it's a very different proposition at, at Sandy Park. And I would just throw over one um, comment to you that I saw um, on Twitter. Um, forgive me, I can't remember who um, actually tweeted us this, but it was just around kind of looking, looking forward. And we've also obviously had the two home games. Um, in the row, in, in a row against Quinns and Bristol, uh, eight games uh, left, sorry, 10 games left in the season. Only four of those at home now. And one of them obviously being the clash at Twickenham. So three games to go at the rec. Mm. We've been vastly stronger at home than we have been away. So, you know, we need to be very careful with the league as tight as it is that we don't start drifting back down the table, Jay.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and we've come through a block of games where um, it's probably... Uh, games where uh are almost favourites in those games, and we have done really well out of those games. As I say, winning, winning three of the, of the. Um of the of those four games in 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 that block we've spoken about tom but then going away and at times this season bath going away it's looked like we've been overseas visitors at some grounds Mm. um this season not been nearly as good away from home as we have been at home so it is going to be key now this run in, we've positioned ourselves nicely not quite as nicely as it could have been if we had beaten bristol on sunday but um yeah, it's a huge game on, on 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 Saturday, Tom. What, from your point of view, would um, kind of qualify as being a, a success? Obviously, a win would be ideal. Seems unlikely. What would be a, a successful game, if, if that makes sense? Well,
1: I guess obviously, you know, as again as as Rory was saying, you know, the players are told in no uncertain terms if you're not gonna gonna win the game, it's very very important with the league as tight as it is, as and bonus points playing such a big part to get within. Within seven points, if we came away with a, a losing bonus point, you know I'd obviously be disappointed. I'd, I'm not gonna uh, take massive pleasure in a in a defeat, particularly away to to Exeter. But I think you know one point potentially would be um, would be a, a a decent enough return uh, away at Sandy Park. But we need to be more ambitious than that. I think you know looking up and ahead into the into the top four and. Um, obviously, we we are starting to build up some form. We have got the victory early on in the earlier on in the season. It might be depending on England selection that we um, have the advantage from from you know from from that perspective. And and extra do lose a lot of guys to to international vis, uh, international um, uh, international duty. So you know, I think we, ultimately we're going down to Sandy Park. We feel like overseas visitors to to an extent, but. We need to go down there, you know, shout, shout our hearts out really and uh and, and, and try and bring it home.
2: Yeah. And they are beatable at home uh, this season. Uh, Sale, who are a team around us with similar aspirations, went down there, what, two or three weeks ago now and, and turned them over in the Premiership. So that does prove they are beatable. Sale, you know, a similar team to Bath. And, and I think if we can catch them on an off day and we play uh, really, really well, then, then of course, any, anyone's beatable. As Rory said, anyone can be anyone in this league but we're going to have to score 25-30 points and I, I'm i really struggling to see um, kind of how we do that so if I was to predict um, the Bath game I think you're right uh, a losing bonus point would not be a bad result so I think I'll have to with a, with a heavy heart predict an extra uh, a victory hopefully by, by, by four or five points Tom.
1: Yeah and I think you know as you say extra probably score 25-30 plus points so if we uh, in order to do that, we're we're likely gonna have to score score a few ourselves and performance is very important as well as the the ultimate result. So um I I, I do think it might be a, a stretch too far, but who knows with, with uh this with this bath team and, and with this league, we might go down there and uh and, and pull performance out of the bag and be the turning point of the season as we romp home to <laughs> to the top four and then do uh do a number of them at the grand final. So who knows? Um, but I've got a new lease of life after listening to, to Rory McConaughey there. And, uh, um, yeah I'm going to back us to to go down there and do the job <laughs> I'm I'm completely glad. flip it and uh, I'll go I'll go bath by four in a, in an
2: absolute thriller good um, right that just about does it for today's podcast Tom really enjoyed it um, with mm. you and with Rory McConaughey, as we say as I said at the start please do follow us across socials please do recommend it um, to a friend if you feel like there's a a, a fellow Bath fan or a fellow rugby fan that would really enjoy that Rory McConaughey exclusive interview then please do recommend it to them because um, we want to spread the word as much as we can Uh, we're really enjoying doing this um, and hopefully as I say every week you're enjoying listening it so subscribe rate us get in touch with us and stick behind the boys through thick and thin